Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Pekosek. Today, we are talking about networking to get work with Diana Y.K. Chan. Diana is a former recruiter turned career coach, speaker, and trainer at My Marketability. She helps ambitious professionals and executives design the next chapter of their life, navigate transformational changes, and land incredible opportunities with a higher income. She's an expert at distinguishing people's unique brand value, mastering their messages, and networking with confidence to gain a competitive edge. She's recognized as one of the top 10 job search experts to follow on LinkedIn, and she joins us from Toronto. Diana, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Mike and Lisa. Well, it's our pleasure. It is really interesting to come across and read a story kind of like yours because there's a lot of not only cool twists and turns to it, there's like a really cool feel-good element to it. Can you kind of tell our listeners a little bit more about you and how you became this this career coach that you are now today? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that question. So I moved here to Canada. Um, actually, I immigrated here to Canada when I was five and then moved back to Hong Kong when I was 10. And then my parents sent me back here to Canada all by myself when I was 16. Um, and I had a zero network. And um, one of the things that I really learned at such a young age was really just putting myself out there in meeting people, helping people. So when I was in university, I volunteered over a thousand hours um, to, to help wow. people. And I was always known as that go-to mentor, welcoming new immigrants to, to Canada, um, being a big sister to people. And so I've always had this passion of just helping people. And since then, uh, throughout my career, um, even though I made pivots from working in marketing, consulting, to recruiting, to now career coaching and speaking, one of the core elements of my entire career is all about helping people reach their full potential. And one of my mission is really helping people to own their greatness with confidence so that they shine and stand out to be um, the best they can be and do amazing things in this world there. Um, uh, so that's a bit of background of my story. And, you know, if you asked me, you know, did I know that I want to become a career coach back when I was in school? No idea, like no clue that this was going to be my career path. I knew I wanted to do something related to either being a motivational speaker or wedding planning. That was like mm. my two big dreams Love in school, it. but I had no idea how to go about doing that. And it was not a job you could just apply to um, in university. So I put that in the back burner and applied for like a regular corporate job. Um, but within the space of leadership development, I was part of a new grad program where I could really um, diversify and learn different areas of the businesses there. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've definitely drawn on a lot of different roles. I know I've, I've seen a little bit of your your resume, um, and I encourage our, our listeners to sort of take Diana's story as a really great example of just how like far-reaching a person can be with their career. And it's brought you to career coaching, and, and right now I know that networking has been a really kind of hot-button topic for you. I think it always kind of has been, but especially mm -hmm. right now is a lot of people are kind of trying to figure out what to do with their lives, either being without a job or maybe they need to seriously make a change. Can we talk a little bit about why networking is so important for career development just overall? Yeah, I would say, I mean, a few things like the reason why networking is important is one, it helps you to build your brand. Uh, it helps you to stand out. And it's a great opportunity to also gain insights and learn from others of like what's happening in their world, their industry or profession. 
And by doing so, this is where you can uncover new possibilities, new ideas, um, new collaboration as well. Uh, I have found, and I, I didn't mention this earlier, but all of the opportunities I've had from working at Telus, at Accenture, at Google, uh, to my latest opportunity at Schulich, like, it was all through networking and referrals. And it is one of the fastest way to get hired. Uh, you've probably heard the stat, right, that at least 70% of jobs are found through networking. And most people I talk to, they just apply online, which is less than 3% chance of getting an interview. So, you know, one of the questions I always ask is, would you rather spend all your time applying for 100 jobs online or use that time to have like 10 meaningful conversations? Yeah, instead mm -hmm. to uncover opportunities. That makes so much sense. And yes, um, in talking about the fact that 70 plus jobs are landed through some sort of networking referral, why do you think that number is so high? Well, people like to buy from people that they like and trust, right? It's the credibility totally. factor. It's having that reputation. Um, you know, if you think about it, like, you know, how many of us have actually gone to a restaurant that someone recommended to us, or mm -hmm. we've been to a place that someone recommended to us. Uh, there is just that, that trust factor to it. And so it makes the hiring decision a lot easier uh, that way there. So when I got hired to, to Google here in Canada, hundreds of thousands of people like already applied for that opportunity. But my friend from an MBA school who worked there in HR, was able to endorse me and refer me that I was great at what I do and that I was really passionate about it. Um, that made a huge difference than just me submitting a resume. I actually got in because of an endorsement, not because of my the resume that I submitted there. So by having that, um, you know, when we talk about networking, it is so important that people need to know who you are, what you're great at, what you're passionate about. So by having that brand, that's how they're going to keep you in mind for opportunities and how you can um, get hired faster there. It sounds like it's almost like an insurance policy for the hiring manager. Yeah, that's mm. a good point. You're right, Lisa, especially, you know what, especially for those of you don't have a lot of experience or if you're looking to make a pivot into a different industry, a different role, um, you know, as a recruiter, a lot of times they look for relevant experience. So if you don't have that, the way to stand out is through either you have a great work ethic mm -hmm. or someone really endorsed you that you, you know, someone who's a great person to work with. Uh, to get your foot in the door. So you're absolutely right. That's a great insight. Um, talking about networking and like the idea of networking can carry a little bit of a stigma for people or there's just sort of a, a block there in terms of their mindset. What do you think people can do to kind of relieve that block and look at networking in a better, more helpful way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you bring this up because it's such the biggest challenge I always hear from people is networking is a fear that they have. They find it either tedious, awkward, challenging, don't know what to say, or you have to have a lot of small talk. And the perspective I like to offer, I like to think about through my talks, I talk about instead of thinking that you need to sell yourself, the four letter word sell yourself, think of the four letter word of how you can help someone. So mm -hmm. automatically that shifts that perspective from selling yourself to helping someone. And when you're in that perspective, helping someone, you want to be curious and getting to know them, their needs, their challenges, their story in order to serve them. So that's one perspective. Um, the other one is, is that we talk about instead of thinking you're gonna get a job where you need to make money, the five letter word of making money. You think of the five letter word of how you can add value, mm -hmm. right? When you think of that perspective of being um, of service and adding value, 
it just feels like it's so much more natural that you just want to give and serve. So that's my philosophy of networking. I always see it as long-term relationship building, helping people, um, paying it forward. And I know that by doing that more and more, naturally, um, I will get the referral uh, opportunities because I'm always putting, um, either I'm referring people or I'm re um, recommending new resources or um, I'm just giving like free content and training and that will help attract like opportunities there. That service mentality, it really shifts the perspective because you said small talk at the beginning and it really shifts it from small talk to really deep conversations, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. can also yeah. be a mindset shift. Absolutely. And this is where, when you just mentioned deep conversations, um, in order to have that happen, you, we need to have like really that attentive listening skills, like being just, I call it being naturally curious and generally interested in the person and just really listening, holding the space for the person or the individual there. Totally. Uh, having that presence is huge when you're actually engaging with somebody. And so it, for me, I know it feels a lot less transactional um, when I can just sort of maintain that sense of being in that space and holding it for somebody else. That's a great point. With such a low percentage of jobs being landed through an online application, uh, as, as you hinted at, should people even be trying to job hunt through the online application method? <laughs> That's a good question. So I, I'd say that it's still a good idea to keep an eye on what's available through the job boards, right? The job boards see it as like a newsfeed, right? That it gives mm. you an idea of what companies are hiring, what uh, roles are hiring. It's an indicator uh, in terms of what type of company you should pursue. However, once you identify that opportunity, I always encourage people to think about how can I go through the back door to uh, advance my candidacy forward by either reaching out to someone who works there, someone that they know who can introduce them to someone or go find the recruiter, go find the hiring manager. And most people don't do it, but it's a great way to show initiative, proactiveness, and to also customize your message uh, even further uh, as well there. So definitely it's still a good idea to um, keep an eye on, but it's not the only way to get your foot in the door. We need to think about different strategies uh, to advance further. I love that you just mentioned talking to the recruiter. Um, you worked as a recruiter previously. So we don't often think of recruiters being part of our networking strategy. Is that somebody that you want to include? Yeah, great question, Lisa. Definitely. Um, you know, you want to work with more than one recruiter. Because one of the things, the myth that most people have, I think, is that the recruiter will get you a job. A recruiter doesn't get you a job. A recruiter's job is to find the best person for the job. Mm. So you as a candidate, you need to make sure you are the best candidate for the job there. And um, if they don't have an opening, there's not nothing that they, should, they can do for you. Now, um, in terms of the question of how do I really develop a relationship with a recruiter? Um, this goes back to consistency. So I'll give you an example. When I was a recruiter at Google, I would get tons of messages. Um, I would get like a 90% response rate with all my outreach messages. So, so many people want to talk to me because they're interested in getting into Google. Now, obviously I only had, you know, a handful of positions to fill and I was working on filling with really senior level positions there. So those who are not at that level, there's nothing much I can do for them mm. uh, besides nurturing that relationship. But I did tell them that, you know, later on in the year, once I fill these senior positions, um, that's when more the mid-level positions will open up. So stay in touch. So those who are really keen on it, they would check in with me either every month, every other month, 
every quarter. Mm. And when it came down to like six, eight months down the road, I all of a sudden had 20 openings of the mid-level positions. And the people who stayed in touch with me were the ones that I reached out first because they were top of mind. Wow. Yeah, makes so, total sense. It's definitely a great strategy if you really want to, there's a company you really want to get into, you got to think about a way, not only just having that one conversation, um, but how can you follow up and nurture that uh, relationship there? Mm. And I, I can imagine that people would be nervous to follow up with that often because people often feel, oh no, I'm going to start bugging this person. So you would actually recommend doing that though. There's a difference between, yes, with a, in a tactful way. I think there's a difference between being desperate versus mm. eager. Mm. Uh, I think there's a fine line between that, like meaning that if you're desperate, we're saying like, I, I really need you to help me or I really want to get in here versus, hey, I want to check in to see how you're doing, how you are doing, how's the company, like the business doing right now, like what are some of the new developments? I want to let you know this is what I've been working on, what I've been improving on. And so it's more a um, check-in and a um, update on what you've been up to, to nurture that relationship. Um, and it's not asking for someone's time a lot where they need to talk to them again, like every single month. It's just like a hello and check-in uh, there. I love it. Who else might you want to include in your networking strategy? Like, is there groups of people or, or people within your own network that you might think about first? Yes. Yeah, that's a good question. So besides recruiters, I think before even talking to recruiters, I consider when you talk to recruiters, you need to already start uh, pitching yourself because you never know if they may have an opportunity. So you already want to have a solid either elevator pitch ready or have a solid idea of like your skills and what you have to offer there. So before even talking to recruiters, I would say talking to either your friends, former colleagues, um, people you went to school with. Um, uh, even if uh, for those who are like new grads, like, you know, talking to, to like their parents, friends as well, to have like an informational interview, which is different from a, um, a bit of a promotional type of talk where you're trying to sell yourself to a recruiter. Mm -hmm. Informational interview is really about getting insights of their experience working in the industry at the company, what their day to day responsibility is like. So you can really gather a lot of information through informational interview to better prepare yourself when it comes to talking to a recruiter or a high manager or uh, an executive there. So that's where I would start is people that you know. And from there, one of the questions I always suggest to ask is, once you really um, get to know that person, they got to know you and they know what you're looking for, you ask a question at the end. Based on what you're looking, but based on what I'm looking for, is there anyone else in your network you think um, I could have a conversation with? Mm -hmm. So you oh, make a question. And if they say yes, you'd be like, that's great. Um, and you ask them like, you know, would it be okay if I follow up with an email with a quick blurb about me and my resume for you to forward off with? So you mm -hmm. make it super easy for them to introduce you or refer you to someone else in the network. Um, I talked about this uh, recently on my networking webinar, how is um, by putting together your own blurb or referral message, you're in control of your own brand and your messaging of how you want to sell yourself, of who you are, what you want, and what you have to offer. And it's um, also a lot faster for someone to refer you because imagine if someone needs to write about you, it could take them forever to <laughs> think about how can they best sell you, right? Yeah. So we need to be in control of our own brand and messaging there. I love that. That is such a great tactic. I love it. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of people don't 
necessarily think intuitively about how should I market myself when I'm in that referral situation? Like we're, we maybe think of what do I need to say when I'm face to face with somebody and I'm trying to create a relationship with them. But when you're not present, that's a different story. And I love the fact that having sort of yeah. a, a pre-built message of some sort that, that can be shared. What yeah. a, what a valuable idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's branding. Like that's part of the branding of, you know, identifying your key sound bites, the keywords you want to use so that you can be consistent um, in promoting your own unique skill set and value there. Cool. Um, we haven't really spoken a lot about direct outreach before. It's come up from time to time, but the idea of how direct outreach being a part of an overall networking strategy. Can you kind of talk a little bit about this? Cause I, I was on your webinar and I remember this being a topic that a lot of people were kind of like, Oh, this is quite a bit of work she's proposing and sounds kind of scary. How, how can it be approached? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I think this is where it goes back to why people feel that, that stigma of networking. Mm. Um, or feeling, having that skepticism, like, of, of reaching out to someone, like, you know, what will they think about me? Are they going to think that I'm weird for reaching out? And so this is where, you know, crafting um, a message that will generate response would be helpful, right? So back to the direct outreach is we got to think of different stages. The first stage is you want to approach it as from that um, insight gathering, right? The market research where you really want to just learn. So you reach out in um, from the perspective where, you know, I see that you work in this industry. I admire that you're in this, you know, whatever profession that you're in. Um, would you have time to share a bit more about your experience in working X, Y, Z? And then you share a little bit about why you want to meet with them. The reason why I want to reach out is because I'm looking to transition and I would love to learn from someone like you there. And the way, so that would be the approach. It's the first, um, take it from that standpoint of gathering insights. And the way you want to identify the people to reach out to first are people who have maybe that common, something in common. Either they went to the same school as you, or um, they maybe worked at the same company as you in the past, or, um, or they made that similar transition where they moved from one industry to another or made that change that career path where you can draw on um, that similarity to showcase that, hey, I really want to learn how you did that. Would you be able to really willing to share a little bit more about your experience? Makes perfect sense, yeah. I, I was just thinking, like, cause, uh, as you asked me, there's so many people have been asking that similar question. And you know what it is? I, something I've been thinking about is that instead of overthinking about it is to just try it out. Like, right. Instead mm. of thinking you have to have the perfect message, um, just start with like a simple message to reach out, whether acknowledgement or hello, um, ask a, con a question in uh, like LinkedIn messenger, for example, just to start to get a taste of that before asking for um, like an hour phone call, for example. Yes. It's kind of like the analogy that uh, you've, I've heard this a lot, you know, it's like the dating analogy, right? Of, um, you know, it's like, would you ask someone to marry them when you first meet them on that first date? It's similar to that is that when you're meeting someone the first time, you just start with something casual of what you want to learn about them and to be curious and you just have that dialogue there. It's cool too, because at some point you're going to send out, like, let's say you send out 10 messages you might get a few responses, but every time somebody doesn't respond, you might tweak your message. So, so you're going to be learning from all of those non-responses as well. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? The thing is, when from a job search standpoint, 
the reality is, is that we're going to get more no's before we get a yes. Mm. Okay. So we need to accept the fact that it's okay to either not get a response or get a rejection. Uh, that is part of the process there. And so that's such an important uh, mentality to have because a lot of times we'll give up after reaching out to like 10 people or 12 people. Mm-hmm. And that's not enough. And, and you heard about this, my guess uh, that I talked on my webinar, how you know I encourage people to create a list of 100 people to reach out to. And whenever I say that people like 100 people, like, that's a lot of people. <laughs> like I don't know 100 people. The thing is, you don't need to know 100 people. You can start with like just 10 people or 20 people in your own network. And once you start talking to people in your own network, if each person refers one or two people, that's going to have a snowball effect afterwards, right? And then once you get more comfortable with it, then that's when you get more brave and reach out to people um, outside of your own network, which is called a cold contact, or the second level or third level contacts. That's when you can go on LinkedIn to go find these people who work at your target companies. Love it. Uh, totally. The whole notion of becoming more at ease, let's say, with yes. a rejection or a lack of response, it, it sort of builds this certain tough skin that without making it sounding like it's too hard, but like there is that part of your mindset that I think gets groomed over time. Yeah, absolutely right. It, it's building confidence, right? As yeah. you do it more and more, you're building confidence. I had a client who reached out to me last year. She told me like her biggest fear was networking. She was an introvert. Mm. Um, I'm so scared of networking. And as soon as we worked out a plan uh, of what would work well for her, and uh, I started also teaching her how to find people, and I made introductions to some people in my network, she had like a 100% response rate. Like one of her strategies is really good lists and her being an introvert and asking questions. And her direct outreach was a 100% response mm. rate. Wow. And she came back and told me how she really enjoyed networking. And I think it's because, you know, it's one of the key things we talk about being authentic, mm-hmm. being genuine, being curious and being enthusiastic. Um, that's how you're really going to have those meaningful conversations, even though like she knew there was no openings at that mm-hmm. time because she was looking to make a transition to a niche area. She worked on building these relationships. And recently she told me like an opening came up and she was the first person like, that they thought of because of the relationship that she started to build amazing it's huge and such an important topic uh such an important point for people who i think would call themselves introverts to hear that they can find that kind of success in terms of landing so many responses so critical yeah yeah and sometimes it doesn't have to be that long of a relationship nurturing to get opportunities like there Mm -hmm. are instances where people could get opportunities right away um depending on how you reach out to them right um, I, one of my favorite stories, um, that I love telling, uh, was many years ago, my friend who, um, got hired to Google in uh, Silicon Valley and she was moving from Toronto and, uh, her husband was a robotics engineer and his uh, dream company was Tesla. And they're like, you know, who do we know that we could help us that help him get a foot in the door to get into Tesla. So they use LinkedIn to find someone at the third level connection hmm. on LinkedIn to reach out to who they did not know. And this person responded back and they had like a virtual chat um, about about the company, about this person. And eventually that person connected him to the hiring manager and the hiring manager responded like, you know, a few months later and he went through that process. And so that's just such a beautiful story of also getting really targeted with a company 
And if you have a very unique skill set that, you know, that you would get referred uh, in as well. Um, another one is, is just sometimes it's just catching up, you know, that people can just catching up with people and all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I need to refer you to so-and-so. And that's exactly what just happened to my a recent uh, client. Um, he reached out to his former colleague that they worked together a couple years ago. And he reached out just to congratulate her on a presentation she recently did on a webinar. They had a phone chat just to catch up to see how each other they were doing. And through that, you know, she told him that, you know, they're hiring. And this is like in another country, like he's in Canada and she's in uh, US. Um, and they've been hiring for this role for quite some time and couldn't find that wow. right person there. And so he, the, the process expedited literally after the phone chat conversation, he got right into the interview process and got hired like a few weeks later. Wow. Amazing. So there are stories where, you know, you gotta take time and then there are stories like, okay, well, if you've been actually nurturing the relationship, catching up, that could all of a sudden have an opportunity right in front of you. That's so such a great point, especially because I think that there are some folks out there who see networking as being this really ultra long-term thing that just can't manufacture a result in the short term. You've just really disproven that with that story. Yeah, yeah. And I think like with your, I was just going to mention too, I know you're, um, with your podcast, you have a younger audience as well. Like one thing I want to encourage young professionals, you know, for those who don't have a lot of experience, you can still um, either volunteer like your time or help out in any way. And you just never know how an opportunity may unfold through that. Uh, many years ago, when I brought on interns in my company, this was like five, six years ago, um, I had an intern who was an English uh, major and business. And so she helped me with writing uh, mm. in my business with the social media posts and blog posts as well. As well. And um, through my coaching and mentoring, we started a business in resume writing service, you know, through her help there. And because she was so mature and professional, she got to work with my clients one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, as well. And because of that experience she got, like, she worked with like C-level clients as well. This was like a new grad. It helped her get an interview with one of the top consulting firms. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Um, and it started with like an internship experience and obviously she proved herself doing amazing, amazing work um, that I trusted her enough that she could also work with my clients. That also led her to working at like a top consulting firm right now. Hmm. And so I really want to encourage young professionals to be willing to just put themselves out there, volunteer, do something. And for people to see like, you know, their skill set and showcase your passion and enthusiasm. Um, that's how opportunities are going to unfold. All goes back to help and value those two key words, yep. right? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what it is. Cool. You've got a couple of other, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have more than a couple, but you have um, two really interesting acronyms that I would love for you to just kind of quickly give us a rundown on because I thought they were incredibly valuable when I discovered them. ABC and connect. Would you be able to kind of walk us through those? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking that. So my ABC rule of networking is always be connecting, right? In sales is always be closing, mm -hmm. but in networking is always be connecting anytime, anywhere, as you never know when an opportunity may come your way. And in order to do that, you know, the philosophy is, is that you want to always show up as your best self, because when you show up as your most best self or most authentic self, that's when I believe magic happens. So as an example, I love to tell the stories here. It was that many years ago, um, I went to a wedding 
And this new grad was a, the MC at, at the wedding. And she was just full of her own, like great energy, great enthusiasm. She got the entire crowd going there. And I just loved it. Like she had this charisma, this captivating mm. like energy there. And I just saw potential in her and I referred her for an opportunity for a new grad opportunity. And that's how she got her full-time job. And so this is just a great example, always be connecting in terms of just really being out there, putting your best self out there um, to connect. And then the connect formula, the connect formula is all about um, how to really network and build trust. So I'll share with you the acronym. The C is about being charismatic. The o is having an open mind. So when we have an open mind, that's when we um, have like more meaningful conversations as well. Uh, N is about being naturally curious, right? Um, in terms of asking powerful questions. The next N is being nice. You know, people want to talk to people who are nice. Uh, the next one is the E is to be enthusiastic, right? Mm -hmm. But people want to talk to people who are engaging, interesting as well, and energetic. Uh, the next C is about being clear, concise, and compelling with your communications. So it is so important to get to the point with your messaging. Um, sometimes I find now through my own experience in as a speaker in events, a lot of times people may get um, too much into their story and it's important to really get to the point with the messaging there. And the last one is a T, which is all about building trust. And I would say this is the number one rule is you gotta build trust and rapport in order for others to help you in order to gain uh, referrals there. Wow. Yeah, you, you pack a lot of information into those awesome acronyms. And I heard a couple more, I feel like, on, on the webinar just recently. But <laughs> it's a really compelling way of teaching. And thank you for sharing those two there with us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really passionate about this topic of networking. Um, and I think it's because I've experienced it firsthand yeah. on you know coming to a new country when you have zero network. And you just have to build it from the ground up and see how by just building a network and building good relationships, how great things unfold uh, from that there. So true. Yeah, and I can relate to in my, my business, in my personal life, I've used networking so many times to just, and it's taken me in so many directions that I, I had no idea it would take me. So I can absolutely vouch yeah. for that as well. Yeah, I, I think as we're talking about this, I'm just thinking out loud how, um, you know, meeting people in your own industry or meeting peers is important. Sometimes people think have this mentality thinking like, oh, they're my competition. So I should not meet with them. But in fact, you know, if we change that mindset and think about collaboration mm -hmm. over competition, we actually become stronger because this is where we can look out for each other, support each other. Just like Mike, how we met a couple of weeks ago yeah. um, and how it led to this podcast interview was, you know, we met on LinkedIn, we supported each other's posts and then it led to a conversation, led to this podcast. And then perhaps later on, we're going to do a co-webinar together. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, yeah, that's such a great example. So you describe yourself as an authentic connector, which I can definitely feel through this conversation. Can you dive into that and how it might help people with networking? Yeah, that's good. That's a good question there. So being, so to me, like being authentic is all about um, being real, being genuine, being uh, sincere. Um, I believe that also by being authentic, it's also about being able to showcase who you really are and be able to also share your story, whether it's not just like successes, but also struggles 
like people can relate to each other when they also hear your struggles as well. So um, I think it's important to have that uh, uh, mindset where you can also learn from each other that way. And being that connector to me, it's all about, it's actually one of my core values, connection, inspiration, authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, we're, we're human beings, right? And it's all about having, um, you know, uh, meaningful conversations and uh, relationships that really makes our lives more uh, fulfilling and meaningful mm-hmm. uh, as well there. Yeah. So to build on that, when you think of vulnerability versus professionalism in networking, is there room for both? Because sometimes people will think that you can't have one with the other. Yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on this too. Like this is something, I, I do believe you can have both. Like I, I'm really big on also being professional, but at the same time um, being vulnerable. And I think, you know, vulnerability, obviously there's many different layers to it mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I think there's power to that where people can relate to that story. So I'll give you an example. Like I'm, you know, a lot of things I communicate, I I like to have that professional tone to it, but I'd also have that encouraging tone. And a couple of years ago, you know, I actually opened up, I was very vulnerable where I opened up about how I faced a postpartum depression Mm. after having my second child. Mm. And I talked about how it's because the achiever in me where I just want to do more, do more, do more. And after having my second child, I felt like, um, I couldn't achieve as much. And I talked about some struggles that I faced and that those posts, you know, what on LinkedIn, Facebook had got me not, it's not about just like, but it's actually a lot of people, uh, private messaging me, mm. uh, letting me know mm. that, um, they face something similar as well and how, um, it was very brave of me to sh- share that as well. So I really believe there is that room for both. And, but also that you want to think about what's the angle you're taking here? Like, is it, you're trying to be of service? in empowering people or are we looking for um attention or for for pity there that's a really great distinction yeah mm-hmm. going back to sort of what you said earlier about value does it does it add value to the people that the message will reach i think that's that's kind of how i would summarize it for myself but you're uh you're a great storyteller your story is such a great illustration of it in action no, thank you. Thank you. No, that's a good point. I, I, I think that, um, you know, whenever I put together content out there, I think about like, what it's like, what's my call to action or what's my message to it, right? Like, even if you're sharing something that you face as a challenge, I'll talk about some of the things I did to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And I would say that going back to job interviews, um, I'll use an example, like Amazon, they love hearing uh, struggles, challenges and failures from people. Mm. Because what it's showing is adaptability, resiliency, um, versatility, resourcefulness. Those are the characteristics or qualities that they're also looking for uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that relates back to that vulnerable piece in that if you're always going into the interview saying, I haven't faced any challenges, everything's great, <laughs> then you're not going to have that same kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, some companies love to start with that the the whole challenge piece. Like, tell me about your failures. Which at first, if you're not used to it, you're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I need to reveal the bad side of me. <laughs> exactly. Well, I got yeah. a 400 yeah. GPA, and uh, no. <laughs> you know, and this ties into the question where most people say that they face challenge with is, tell me about your weakness. Yeah. I mean, how do we answer that? That's such a common question. People are like, I don't know what to say. And I always say how your greatest strength could also be your greatest weakness. 
So when you use it too much, that could also be your greatest weakness as well. Mm. So we need to also look at, you know, it's really the self-awareness piece that we need to be aware of, of how, um, you know, that's what, what, what employers are looking for is like, are you aware of what are some of your blind spots? And what do you do to um, to mitigate or minimize uh, those, those weaknesses there? Very critical point for sure, mm-hmm. and like just a, an important an important point in so many different career development spots. We could go on a massive that could be its own episode, I think. But thank you for bringing that up because it, I know we do talk about it from time to time. But self awareness is just so important in anything that we're trying to do with other people. Mm-hmm. So, well well said. Would you happen to have any important final tips to kind of share with anyone who is trying to get going with their networking or their job search right now and they're just really struggling? Like, what would you say to them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think for those who are starting with networking and looking for a job, um, before putting yourself out there, it is so important to number one, um, get really clear on what you're looking for. What are you targeting and your why? Um, so having that anchor and that focus of what do you want? And from there, be able to identify like what are your target roles, organizations, and industries? Because that's going to help you get focus uh, with your networking there. Um, once you have that done, that's when you come up with a plan. Okay, well, who are the people uh, I want to reach out to? And so putting together that list. Um, and then from there, it is really practicing the messaging piece and having fun. Um, you know, a big part of networking is you, you got to enjoy the having those conversations with people, whether it's through phone, video, or through messenger, uh, you ought to enjoy having those type of conversations uh, as well. Here, here. Yeah. It's not fun. Most people won't do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. Right. I think this is where, you know, and this is the art of communication. If I tie that back to networking is there's a difference between, um, you know, people can tell by the tone, whether you are actually interested in learning from them or, you know, whether it's a transaction that, you know, networking mm-hmm. is a transaction versus um, a connection and a relationship there. Totally with you. That Excuse takes me. time. Yeah. It takes time when you think it, about it. <laughs> it absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, can I maybe wrap up with uh, something that ties into this? Um, the analogy of how seeing networking relationship building as um, building your social capital, right? Mm. So the more... Um, you give, which is really deposited into the bank account of your social capital, um, mm-hmm. that will allow you essentially to ask or, you know, to get, you know, for favors essentially. So, you know, big part of it is really building your social capital so that when we actually need to ask for favor, um, people are willing to, to help us out as well. Such a critical point. Yes. The idea of like a withdrawal and a deposit being yes. like this, this balance sheet that we have to constantly be working on that's Mm -hmm. a great point love it cool we're gonna present to you some questions that we bring on uh that we put in front of all of our guests that come on the show uh lisa you take it away yeah so we like to think of work as not all serious no fun work (laughs) (laughs) um so what would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career so far Oh, most fun. I have to say definitely from a a career standpoint, the last like nine years, like being a career coach and speaker has definitely the most fun of all. And it's because I get to make an impact in people's life. And specifically, I would say one of the most fun projects I got to work on is the recent one where I decided to create my first ever uh, women's lecture retreat with another coach, a friend of mine. And it's something completely different from what I'm used to doing in one-on-one coaching. And it's all about 
helping people to figure out the next stage of their career and really living a meaningful and fulfilling life. So that's been a lot of fun there in creating that. Mm. Unfortunately, that got canceled because mm. of the pandemic. It's supposed to happen last week um, uh, in Mexico. Uh, uh, it, got, it, got, it got postponed until later in the year, but it's been so much fun in working with someone who, who really I consider like one of my best friends and who's an amazing mm. coach and um, where we can really tap in each other's like strengths and uh, weaknesses, like just leverage each other's strengths to make it like a, a great experience for everyone there. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about that when it takes place. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And um, the other one is that most people at some point take a risk in their career, whether it's a small risk or a big risk, but what would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? Mm, good question. So I would say the biggest risk I took when was when I got laid off from my job back in 2011. And I decided within a week to start my business. Mm -hmm. Wow. No question. I just started within a week, printed out 5,000 business cards and decided to say, I'm a coach and a speaker. And so that was the biggest risk I took without actually doing much research. I mean, I had an idea that I wanted to do this, but I was just always waiting for that perfect time. But because, you know, you know, the situation would happen, I just decided to start right away. And how did it turn out? It's been great. I've been doing it for the last nine years now, and it's just been growing in terms of serving a bigger audience. Um, I started off from serving like new grads and professionals to now serving more senior level um, executive professionals there. Wow, how cool. So cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and the last question is, what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? Mm. I would say it's definitely along the lines of, um, pursuing your passion, like doing what you love and love what you do. Um, that's one of my philosophy is it's all about, you know, we, we only have one life and you really want to do something that matters, do something that's meaningful, do something that you care about and, um, and to be great at it. You know, that, you know, that whole being, um, achieving excellence and be able to be great and make a great impact in, in this world there. Uh, Diana, you've been fantastic. Can you tell us, Tell our dear listener a little bit more about where they can find you and learn more about the work you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is MyMarkAbility, www.MyMarkAbility.com. So um, on my website, you can find tons of free resources there. I also am very active on LinkedIn. So if you look me up at Diana YK Chan, uh, please connect. Like, Let me know that you heard this podcast there. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is uh, MyMarkAbility, where I have tons of my free webinars and free, uh, free uh, training videos there. Fantastic. And just having been able to see you in action uh, on video, on LinkedIn, in your webinar settings, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot just from the short time that we have known each other. And I'm sure I'm going to continue personally just learning from you a lot as we go forward. So dear listener, go check out Diana. This we'll call it a week at that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week for the Career Builders podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Pekosek. Our guest was Diana Y.K. Chan, and we hope you remain well and come back soon. Bye for now.